This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. I've discovered that one thing about Barhead that makes it a little bit unique in Alberta, definitely from Edmonton, is that the uh, county council of Barhead invites ministers to come in and actually lead in prayer over their deliberations. So I had the privilege this past Tuesday morning uh, at uh, Marvin's request to be there, to be with the county council, share a few words, and then pray with them. Uh, We live in a country and a culture where prayer, which used to be very common, whether it was in schools or at public gatherings, is now becoming less and less and less. So I'm glad to be in an environment where people invite that form of respect and connection with God. Prayer is a significant thing. And if you're a guest today, we're in the midst of a series of messages called, I have a friend who. So we've received questions from our congregation, from their friends or from themselves. And we started to answer those questions last week. We started with the question um, about suffering, about why is there so much in a world that is supposed to be controlled by a good God that is evil and hurtful and traumatic. And you can catch that message online if you missed that. The second question we wanted to deal with uh, is the issue of prayer, of actually praying. So I found it very ironic that this Tuesday past, I was invited to come and pray in a very public environment uh, with individuals, and uh, that they felt that that was significant, to have a representative of the ministerial uh, to be there. And it's quite an honor uh, to be able to step in and be able to do that. But prayer... You'll see on your notes, or actually on your bulletin, it says, what good is praying? Now, starting off, what I'm going to try to do is, and it may sound a bit, um, I hope it sounds real. It may sound a bit negative in a church to question prayer and the value of prayer, but, but that's where I want to start. I'm reading a comment that comes from an individual who says this. When I consider my Christian academic friends... People who are smarter and better read and harder working than I am, it's clear that Christianity is a very dangerous profession. Now notice that. He goes on to say this. The people that I know, three of their daughters have died in their 20s. One of them has a daughter who is a drug addict. Their parents and their spouses get Alzheimer's disease and they also get cancer. I imagine they all prayed for those things not to happen. And I know they still pray, but what is the point of prayer? So this comes from an honest individual trying to ask a sincere question about what good is prayer. He looks at those who are Christians around him, and it appears as though the opposite has occurred to everything they prayed for. So prayer kind of sounds dangerous in a person's estimation who isn't a follower of Jesus. Like, why would you pray if the opposite happens? It doesn't seem to be working. People are very much pragmatic. They like to do stuff that works. And does prayer actually work? Does prayer have a sense of assurance with it? That's this individual's question. You'll see on the monitor uh, the idea of praying. Um, What good does praying do? The idea of, am I just thinking out loud when I pray? 
If I'm by myself and I'm praying, am I just really thinking out loud? Is really anybody listening? Is there a God who's actually listening? Is there someone who's attentive to what's going on? Someone, in a very cynical way, said the definition of prayer is this, how to do nothing and still think you're helping. Hopefully you can laugh at that. (laughs) How to do nothing and still think you're helping. That's what some people would think of as prayer. People who would not necessarily lean into God or go to a church or have faith. Or actually, truly, this is actually from a person who used to do all of that. This individual used to be involved in a church, go to Sunday school, was a part of a youth group, got married in a church, attended a church, and then stopped attending because they started to ask themselves questions that they were disappointed in the answers and actually, in a mocking kind of way, made this statement publicly and said, how to do nothing and still think you're helping. Maybe you have actually known people who have gotten there like this. Maybe if you were honest today, and I won't ask for a show of hands, you might be borderline on this, that you wonder, what good is praying? You prayed before, but it's been a while since you've actually taken more than five seconds to pray. Um, And dealing with this subject today and starting at this juncture, um, want to be honest and just because we want to be candid in terms of answering questions in prayer. So I know that many people can cite examples of when their prayer has been answered in a miraculous way. I can attest to that. I've, I've seen miracles happen. And some people may go, well, that was a coincidence. Um, you prayed and a miracle happened. Um, I, I, so if you're going to call that a coincidence, I find that interesting because uh, coincidences happen when I pray. That miracles happen, whatever you may wish to call them. That life change occurs. But the question also is, why do many equally deserving prayers go unanswered? Why do many other prayers offered by people who are who are solid Christians with lots of faith, why at times do those prayers go unanswered? And here's a question that comes from a person at Bethel, one of their handwritten questions. And, and they just talk about the fact that the Bible says, ask for what you want and it will be given. And you have not because you ask not. But we all prayed and we begged. And as a matter of fact, uh, we read the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Certainly one of the people must have been righteous that prayed, but nothing happened. And so this is a question asked from in our midst. Like, what good is prayer? What good does praying do? Now, can I suggest this to you? Just as an observation of a guy who's been in ministry 40 years. When you look at people's behavior who are Christians who go to church, there's one meeting that's usually attended the least of all the meetings that are called in any church. And... You can probably guess because I see people nodding their heads. And it's interesting that if people say they believe in prayer, that when a meeting is called for prayer, that very few people show up. So does that mean that people don't believe in prayer? Or does that mean that people are very private with their prayer? Or maybe it means that people are just too busy to pray together. Or maybe it's that we pray on our own and privately and we just fit it to our schedule. I don't know what the answer is. But I do know there's a consistency in every church right across North America, typically all through Europe, not in so much South America or the, um, Southeast Asia, but typically the least attended meeting of any congregation is the prayer meeting. And even as a leader, I have to intentionally draw myself into a place to pray or I won't pray. 
very often my prayers are very succinct and short. Like when I was praying today as I was driving out here early this morning uh, on the snow-covered roads on Highway 33, um, white knuckles on the steering wheel and just saying, uh, Lord, please make me safe. <laughs> and sometimes it's just, oh, Jesus. That's one of the best prayers I think you can pray. That in the midst of something where you feel that you need help, just to simply utter those words, oh, Jesus. Have you prayed that prayer? Do you know what it's like to be in a moment where you feel stressed, critically concerned about someone you care about or love, and, and you just don't know what to do, and you turn your heart to God, and your simple prayer is simply, oh, Jesus. Sometimes you may end up, if you're a person who would do this, praying in tongues, praying in a language that you don't understand, praying from your spirit to God. And that's also a way that I have found myself experiencing prayer over time. But I do know that for myself, as a pastor, that I need to bring myself into a place of prayer to pray. I need to be intentional. I need to carve out time. I need to set out reminders. And I'll tell you what, it's, I don't believe in coincidences, but it was so ironic this morning when I got up. Um, and when I open up my phone, I have the Uversion app. Maybe this happened to you. Uversion has just launched a brand new feature on their app, and it's a prayer feature. And it came up on my screen today about, I actually took a, um, a screenshot of uh, the prayer. And I thought it was very timely that of all the Sundays I would speak about prayer, that Uversion would launch a brand new app that would help make it easier to remind yourself you need to pause and pray. In our context, it's very difficult at times to actually do that. Praying. Here's the other question. If God knows the future, why pray? If the future's already settled, what does my prayer do today to actually affect the future? That if God's got it all figured out and he knows yesterday, today, and tomorrow equally, then why pray? Why would we lean in? And here's the other part. If God doesn't know the future, then what good is worshiping? Why would we worship a God that doesn't have control of yesterday and today and tomorrow? Can I lean in a little bit on this one about tomorrow? I'm not sure if you've thought of this ever, but what if tomorrow doesn't exist? I'm not talking about eternity and about what happens after we die, but what I'm talking about is tomorrow. Tomorrow, the 9th of March. What if 9th of March didn't exist? What if we have yesterday because we remember it and we have today, and this is the only part we have of today, but what if tomorrow doesn't exist? We live our lives governed by our clock and our watch or our iPhone or whatever we might have on our wrist. But if you think about our universe, do you realize that today you can actually travel 4,000 years out to the outer reaches of our planet and still find today? That it takes 4,000 years to get to the outer reach of, of our planet, of our, our universe? That so today here is today 4,000 years away? When I was talking to Jocelyn about sharing this, she said, you're making my head hurt. <laughs> like, this is really hard stuff to think about and comprehend. But what if our thoughts of tomorrow, of it being solid, and God knowing every detail, and it all being done already, what if that wasn't done? What if tomorrow gets created as tomorrow unfolds? And that our prayers actually do make a difference. That we actually lean into God and pray and say, God, heal or God save, or God deliver, or God change, or God prevent. And God hears those prayers and actually shapes the future based on your prayers. 
If you knew that, if you believe that in your heart, would that incline you more to pray? Would that incline you more to lean into God today so that whatever the future was, you would know that you had a greater influence on it? I wonder sometimes in our world, and again, if you're new to faith and new to church and you're watching online, I'm not sure how this will resonate with you, but I believe in God. I also believe that God created an angel named Lucifer who is the most perfect of all his creations, but that creation turned against God self-willed, in pride, turned against God, and now we know him as Satan. There's an adversary in our world who tells us lies. And what do you think that if you were convinced that prayer didn't do anything, where do you think that thought came from? If, if God wanted you to pray and you had in your mind that it doesn't do any good, where do you think that thought might originate from? And if prayer was so precious and could make such a difference, do you not think the enemy of your souls would tell you, you don't need to pray. Pray doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good. Don't waste your time. And I guess the question would be, who are you listening to? When it all comes down to it, I, I'm a person of prayer. Uh, I, like, I don't necessarily like to pray, but I do pray. That may sound weird from a pastor. I don't like to pray. But it's not something that I lean into. It's not something that I, that, um, I uh, without even having to think, do. It's not like breathing. It's not like living. It's not like smiling. It's not like other activities we engage in. It's not like eating or sleeping. They just are a part of our life. Prayer takes intentionality. It takes thought, at least on my part. And, but I'm a person of prayer. Um, and I've invested in prayer um, on a daily basis for decades. And I've seen prayers answered, and I've seen prayers not answered. But the reason I pray isn't because my prayers get answered or not. The reason I pray is because Jesus said to pray. And I follow Jesus. And I think he's got it all together. And if he encourages me to pray, then I want to pray. If he encourages me to, in any way, to love, to forgive, to be merciful, to care, then I want to do that because that's what Jesus says. And if prayer is good enough for Jesus, then it's good enough for me. That's kind of where I leave that. And... I want to encourage you as an individual that if you have been a prayer, but you've stopped, to start again. That if you're a person who's learning about faith and learning, can you trust God? And what is prayer all about? Does it matter about my words? I want to encourage you to lean in. You see, God's not after eloquence. He's just after connection. He wants to hear your heart. It's not how well you form your words. It's the fact that you turn your heart to God and you begin to pray. My wife Jocelyn is memorizing the entire book of Philippians. It's four chapters long, and she's memorized every word in that, those, that book. And she practices those, and she does that with me. She has the scriptures all written out, and I sit at one end of the table, and she starts to quote them. It's, quite fa- it's better than you version. Listening to your spouse quote scripture is absolutely incredible. It's life-giving. And in Philippians, when you read through, you discover that right at the beginning of the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul, writing to people that he cares about, says, I thank my God every time I think about you. And in all my prayers, I pray with joy when I think about you. So I was thinking that the very first verses of this letter written to a group of Christians in Philippi, Paul is leaning into the fact that he prays regularly, daily for them, and he prays with joy, and he believes in prayer, and he knows that prayer makes a difference, and I think, well, that's Paul, and that's Jesus, and there's so many examples of people who prayed that it just helps me to continue to lean in and be on my knees or sit at my chair and look to God and take time to pray and to seek him. 
And I trust that that would be a part of your life as well, that whatever you may uh, be experiencing in your lives. So let me deal with one more issue before I turn to, to what Jesus' practice is. Um, you may have seen these either in social media or on Twitter. Whenever something goes wrong in the world, there is a, um, a hashtag or there's illustrations about praying. So when the people uh, were murdered in Paris just a little while ago and in a theater and they were gunned down, there was the idea, pray for Paris. And everybody went red, white, and blue on their Facebook pages, on their Twitter feeds. When the shot shooting occurred in the uh, nightclub in Miami, there was pray for Miami. Uh, when the people were murdered on London Bridge uh, by a terrorist, there was pray for London. There's the whole idea of pray. So much so that people have kind of shortened that whole prayer thing to thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. And it's actually become a hashtag, thoughts and prayers. And what's occurred is something called semantic satiation. This is the technical term, semantic satiation. What that is, is simply a phenomenon in which a word or a phrase is repeated over and over and over and over so often that it loses its meaning and that it actually becomes a source of mockery or ridicule. And so the hashtag thoughts and prayers that whenever there's a crisis, whenever there's a school shooting, whenever something goes wrong, people on their Twitter feed or on Facebook put up thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And I believe they do it well-intentioned, but now it's become a mockery in our world that it's actually something that people make fun of. And so they create cartoons like this about whenever there's a tragedy, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers go out. And they create headlines like the British newspaper that said, God isn't fixing this. And even cartoons like this one about when the shootings occurred in a school down in Florida, thoughts and prayers, and the angel saying, they're sending us their thoughts and prayers again. And the other angel says, yeah, and their kids. And then when another shooting occurred, the whole idea of thoughts and prayers. So in our culture today, even sometimes when we try to be well-intentioned and say, hey, we believe in prayer, that sometimes that just kind of goes right into people's hearts as something of ridicule because it's like, well, can't you do something better? Is it just like thoughts and prayers? Is that how Christians respond to everything? Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And it actually becomes a mockery. And I think actually it actually speaks to our younger people about the fact that I don't want to be associated with that. I don't want to be seen as someone in our social culture as believing in thoughts and prayers. So it actually works against praying. And what I want to do is work for praying. Because I know that we can make a difference. I know God wants us to make a difference. And he wants us to do it through praying. And what praying does, and this is why it's dangerous, it exposes how self-preoccupied we are. And it uncovers our doubts. See, that whole thing that I've dealt with in questions, does praying do any good? If God knows the future, does praying do any good? Um, am I just talking to myself? Is anybody listening to me? Why, if I pray really hard, do I not get the answer that someone needs? All those questions, and they, we create doubts. And when we think about prayer, those things can arise. And that's why I want to deal honestly with, it, with you, friends, this morning. Simply because when we can deal with something honestly and move on, we get stronger. And that's what I want for you. Uh, to be stronger. To be people of prayer. To push into God. Uh, to lean into him. To experience what Jesus wants for us. You see, it's easier on your faith not to pray. 
it's easier for you not to pray because if you don't pray, then you'll never get disappointed. If you don't pray, you'll never wonder, did my, why didn't my prayers get answered? And it's really a default position that we can move into simply not to pray. Because if I don't pray, it doesn't hurt quite as much when I'm disappointed in not getting the answer that I really needed to have. So I want to encourage you to lean away from that. Lean into the danger zone. Lean into the place where prayer actually is what you do. See, because we can do life without God. We can do life without God. So many people do that in our world today. And praying seems nice, but it's unnecessary. We can fix stuff. We can fix it with our money. We can fix it with our time. We can fix it with our volunteering. We can fix it with our, our uh, arguments or choices. All those things, they don't require God or prayer. But Jesus prayed. And I want to walk you through, and you may want to just either take a picture or write these verses down. See, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed all the time. He prayed through the course of his life. He prayed uh, when he was baptized, the Bible says in Luke 3, 21. He prayed before he calls his disciples. He spent a whole night on a mountain praying, and then he chose 12 people to become his closest disciples. Uh, he prayed all night long, the Bible says, in Luke 5.16. And that wasn't just once. That was his typical pattern to do that. He um, prayed when his, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? He prayed that in Caesarea Philippi. Uh, he prayed over the five loaves and two fish, and then he fed 5,000 people with those. He simply, the Bible says, lifted up his eyes and thanked God, and then he distributed through his disciples and fed 5,000 people. Jesus was so good at prayer that his disciples said, Lord, please teach us to pray. And so in Luke chapter 11, you see how Jesus leads out in prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. That's how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He was good at prayer. They saw him praying. He prayed for Peter when he knew that Peter would be tempted. Um, the night before Jesus was crucified, Peter said, I won't deny you. I'll, go to, I'll die for you. And Jesus says, no, you're going to deny me three times before the night is over. But Peter, I've prayed for you. I've interceded for you. So why pray? Because Jesus prayed. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And to lean into prayer. And don't be intimidated that you may not feel like you have the right words. God is attentive and listening and wanting to connect with you. That Jesus is attentive and listening and wanting to connect with you. Do you know that that's what Jesus is doing right now? The Bible says that Jesus' one role right now is to intercede for us, to pray for us. That's what he does continually, all the time, without stop, without ceasing. He prays for us. He intercedes for us. He intercedes against all the spiritual powers of darkness for our lives, for your life. Think about this. Jesus right now is praying for you. He's praying for you right now. He's praying for you, Benita. Right now, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you, Koki. He's thinking about Koki Schmidt, and he's praying for you. If you think about that, if you think any time when you pause during the day, Jesus is praying for you, you go, oh, how can he pray for 7 billion people in the world? He's Jesus. He's Jesus. That's the awe of God, that he's praying for you, Shannon. He was praying for you this week. He was interceding for you this week. He'll do that next week. He was interceding for Bob. He's doing that right now. That each of us, individually, personally, has an intercessor, and his name is Jesus. 
That's what the Bible says he's doing for you right now. And the idea for us praying, we simply engage with what God is doing. We pray because we love God. We pray because we can be with God through prayer. And we pray to be humbled. Prayer will humble you because you acknowledge the fact that I can't do this on my own. And when you carve out time to pause and you may pray the scriptures, some people read through the book of Psalms and they pray those out loud. Um, However you pray, prayer is humbling because it reminds us that we can't do this on our own. We're not a self-made woman or a self-made man, that we depend on God, on his grace, on his help, and on his love. What shaped and directed my life was a series of verses that uh, my junior high teacher gave me uh, when I was in grade seven. And he gave me a living Bible and highlighted these in the Bible. And they've been truly a part of me ever since he wrote them down. The words come from the living Bible, the translation called the living Bible. And it says, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. The prayer works. Tell God your needs, but then um, don't forget to thank him for the answers that he gives. And the Bible says this, if you do this, if you do this, then you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can comprehend or understand. And that peace that God brings when we pray will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. You see, when everything else around me, even an answer to prayer, seems to be out of control and chaotic, just the simple act of praying can bring a peace to my spirit, to your spirit, because of that engagement with God. It's not something that creates perfection, but it's something that's real. And if you're a new follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to lean in to pray and to be a person who prays, who starts, maybe says the Lord's Prayer, but prays. If you're a person who's followed Jesus for a long time and you haven't found yourself this past week taking some time to sit down and simply bow your head and close your eyes and pray, and pray for more than 10 seconds or maybe even more than a minute, I want to encourage you to lean into that role again and to pray this week, to press through the questions and the thoughts that may create doubts, and to lean into a God who goes beyond our doubts, who will engage you. And there's a humility that comes out of that. And there's an opportunity to say, I love you, God. Prayer at times can feel like a great waste of time. If you sit down and you finish praying, a thought can come to your mind saying, well, what changed? What good was that? You know, sitting down like that, that's where humility comes in. And the ability to stand up and leave from, as it were, a place of prayer And to know that you've just done something that on earth may seem like a waste of time, but in eternity and in heaven was a blessing to God. You know that the Bible says that our prayers on earth are like incense that goes up to God. If you read the book of Revelation, it's like the intercessory prayers of Christians are like incense that goes up to heaven. And it's noticed in the spiritual realm. And when I look out and I see everyone who is here today in this place... Just think of the concerted difference that could be created by corporate prayer of everybody in this room praying together and and agreeing to push back the darkness, to raise up workers for the harvest, to, to reach out and to intersect people who are in despair or wanting something in their life that goes beyond just their job and their income. 
but needs something and not quite sure what it is, and may even know what it is but have rejected it and need somebody to intercede for them so that light would come, that darkness would dissipate, and the change could occur. I think that's kind of got my name on it. It's got your name on it. And the ability to lean into that, to see a difference that's made. So I just want to call Bethel to prayer. I want to call people, individuals, to prayer. To pray, and to pray, and to pray again. And to be people who would love God through that expression and lean into him. And to move forward with a confidence and understanding that your prayers make a difference in you. They make a difference in others. They make a difference in what cannot be seen. They create tomorrow. They shape what will occur. And when we understand that and know that and lean into that, then we choose on the side of love and on mercy and on grace and on truth. And when those choices are made, our world becomes a lot brighter and a lot less fearful and a lot less place of hate and a lot more place of love. And that's what we want for our lives, for our families, for our community, for Greater Barhead. So I encourage you, call you, challenge you to lean into prayer, to be like Jesus, to pray, to seek God. And that's what I want to do for you right now. It's just take a moment and uh, lead you in prayer. Before I do that, I just want to ask everyone who is here that may have come as a guest or maybe here for a few years or you've been in church, you understand faith, you understand the Bible is important, you understand about Jesus, but you've never come to a place in your life where you made a choice to say, I want to put my whole life in. I want to go all in to Jesus. I want to give my life over to God. And this day, the 8th of March, would be a day that you would do that. And in this moment, when I take time to lead in prayer, that you'd be an individual who would say, Pastor Bob, I want to make this day the day that I cross the faith line. I want to take what I know up here in my head and put it in my heart, and I say, I want to follow Jesus. And so, if that's you today, um, that's good. Lean into that choice. Move forward with that choice. Uh, I've been praying for you for that choice. And I know that others have been praying for the very same thing. So would you bow your heads with me? Just let me pray into your lives uh, before we close off uh, today. And if you're watching online, if you would even just take a moment yourself, just bow your head and uh, just join us in this prayer. Lord, I thank you for families that are here. I thank you, Jesus, that when you taught your disciples to pray, that when you had them incline their minds and spirits towards heaven, it was to a father, a heavenly father. We understand what family's like. And we understand that we come before you like a loving, gracious father who's proud of us, who's pleased that he created us. And I pray that you would help us today, Father, every person in this room, myself included, to, if we have ceased praying, that you would forgive us and help us change to become close to you through prayer. That if we've lost confidence in prayer, that you would raise that confidence up today in our hearts so that we would pray. And we express today, just like Leanne led us in our singing, that we love you, that we trust you, that we glorify your name, the powerful name of Jesus. And our prayers are in that powerful name. And we trust you and love you and worship you. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room and those watching online that are at a point where they're saying, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and become my Savior. I want to follow you. I want to go all in. 
Everything that I know of me, I give to everything that I know of you. That's my prayer. And so thank you, Jesus. Here's our prayer on a day we've talked about prayer, on a day where others are questioning about prayer. I pray that you would not only give answers, but you would give yourself to us as we pray. So glorify yourself now, Jesus. In your name, this is how we pray, and this is what we ask. Amen. Amen. So friends, for all of you that would have said yes to Jesus, if this is your day to say, I want to begin following Jesus, would you take again one of those cards that have welcome at the top or prayer at the other side? Would you just mark your name on that card and then hand that card in uh, at the end of the service? I would love to connect with you about that. So if you, if you just took one of those cards, and like I've done on this one, put your name in the name area. And then if you just mark next to it, follow. And then if you would mark in uh, either an email or a phone number, um, I would love to be able to connect with you. And as, as you're watching online, you could simply text the word follow to the number 780-707-5569. Just text follow to 780-707-5569. And uh, that will help me know you made a choice and help us walk forward together in terms of what God wants for us. So next Sunday, we're going to deal with another question uh, in terms of our lives. And, And here's the question that's come out. When I pray and I try to find God sincerely out of my heart and I say, God, just show yourself to me. If you really are there, show yourself to me. Why does God do such a good job of hiding Why does God seem to do such a good job of hiding? I want to address that question. I want to share with you a story of a lady named Kathy who had that exact experience and what God did in her life. And uh, I just encourage you to uh, invite, bring along somebody else to be with you on March 15th when we get together again. Right now, um, we're going to, there's actually a lunch that's been prepared because at 1.30 we're going to assemble again as part of Bethel for our annual business meeting. We do this once a year. And so there's a lunch in the gym, uh, and I think people were bringing in sandwiches. There's soup provided for uh, you there. And uh, we'd love to have all of you stay. Uh, as I say, the meeting will start in here at 1.30. And uh, appreciate everybody who's helping to organize that. And for you today. So God bless you. Uh, thank you for being here. Have a powerful week this week as you engage in praying as you engage Jesus in praying and make a difference in our world. We love you. God bless you.